The following is Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. I'm alone and I'm driving. Welcome back. This is Nature of Business, and I'm your host, Chrissy Coughlin. Thank you for joining us on this fine Wednesday. So we have in the studio with us Bill White, and he is the CEO of Badgerbaum. He's also known as the head badger, which we'll talk about. He's got a bunch of badgers working for him, but they're really people. Um, and we're going to have a discussion with him, and uh, welcome. You're right here. I love it. I'm here. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. <laughs> um, it's it's exciting to have you in the studio. And I want to start off with a little bit about you. You've got a fascinating background, um, and you're running this uh, amazing company. Which, how many employees are you up to now? It's probably around 45. Wow, it is. Okay. I was going to say 35, so uh, that's awesome. And uh, so let's start. Let's... Ha- there's obviously a big, you know, a long story here, and you can get on the website and see the timeline, but tell us a little bit about you and how this all transpired that you started Badger. Well, you asked the question the other day, um, you know, how did, it, how did it happen? And I went back to my childhood, I think. I thought I had a potholder business when I was about seven or eight years old. I used to make potholders on those little looms and uh, and then go door to door and sell them. Oh, my gosh. And people would say, well, those colors don't really fit my kitchen. I'd say, well, no, tell me what colors you want, and I'll make one. And so I didn't really want to go to school anymore. I just wanted to make potholders and, and sell them. And I, and I think that business is exactly like my business now, which is you take all of your earnings and you buy more loops to make potholders. Then you make more potholders and you sell them and you invest the money in loops. And I, I wish I knew where all my loops were from when I was a kid because I'd probably corner the Northeast market on loops. But, Absolutely. you know, Badger's very similar. So I think I had a business inclination when I was a kid. And uh, the start of Badger really was I was a carpenter. I had my own carpentry, a design and build business. And uh, my fingers used to split and crack in the winter time. And I've been working with herbs since the 70s, actually. So um, I made up a balm for my fingers. It healed the cracks in my fingers. And I thought, I think I could, should sell that in the lumber yards. And that was, um, had that idea in 1993. And in 1995, I started the business with one product, Badger Balm Relief for Hardworking Hands. So that's sort of the origin of the business. Great. I bought. I have some of that myself because I have very hardworking hands. <laughs> it really works. Oh yeah. I mean, it really works, and it's so fun to put on. I, 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 my hands are always dry, so um, it's a good product. Um, so you are based in in Gilsum, New Hampshire, a small town that I had the luxury of uh, visiting in a couple months ago, and um, it's it's quite impressive. Um, very new building, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about the building in in, in a minute. Um, Tell us about tell us about the company. I want our listeners at the outset here to get a sense of the kind of environment that you're creating at Badger. And this some examples we talked about before we went on air here were the Babies to Work program. Um, you all sit down and have lunch together. Uh, tell tell me, you got a real sense that when I went there that every employee really kind of wants to be there, and that's a that's very very hard to do. Well, it's it's a fabulous place to be. I like being there. I enjoy going to work. Um, you know, the the company started with me in the back room filling tins late at night when I wasn't doing carpentry and with my family packing and shipping and helping with decision making. And uh, it grew from one person to two to four to eight. So it's like cellular division. And somewhere around the 12th person, I started making soups on Friday. 
And so, you know, we'd all sit down and have soup. And I thought, well, I love food tastes really good and it seems to be really good for us as a group to sit down together and have a meal that's mm-hmm. one of the ways you build family and communities by eating together um, I've worked for a lot of people I was a letter carrier in the 70s so I worked for the US government mm-hmm. uh, I was a cab driver I actually I should have brought my uh, my cab driver's license it's in the car that is awesome <laughs> where, where were you a cab driver on Long Island okay, in the so 70s great. and uh, you know so I've done a lot of uh, I've worked for a lot of companies where I really felt like a number you know mm, where you felt sure. like they want to get as much out of you as they can for as little money as possible and uh, unfortunately I think in some cases back then I would try to get as little do as little work as possible and make as much money as possible right. so it was adversarial right. um, when I worked in carpentry I, I remember working for people where they you'd come in and they'd say okay um, build that wall and so I'd go and I'd build the wall and I'd be done and I'd come back and I'd say, what now? Build another wall. And so I was building these walls, but I wasn't building a house. I wanted to build a house. I wanted to know what are we making? What's, you know, what are we shooting for here? So even if I'm not a top carpenter and I'm not being paid like the people running the job, I want to feel like I'm building a home. Right. And so with Badger, I think, you know, my idea has always been that we're building this together. And so whether you're, you know, filling tins or whether you're in marketing or whether you're in shipping or you're in accounting, you can't do it without everybody chipping in. So it's really a right. team effort. And we we have company retreats and we have company meetings and we have transparent reporting. So you'll say these were our sales this week. And you also educate. This is what it means to have these sales. Like uh, you can have really big sales and you think, wow, there must be like gold doubloons hidden in the basement of Badger somewhere. But there's this whole aspect of, you know, you have accounts receivables. You're waiting for people to pay you. Right. You have all your money tied up in inventory. You have olive oil and beeswax and essential oils, and you have money that you owe. You have to pay suppliers. And so there's this whole cash flow thing that you sure. talk about and say, this is our position. This is where we stand. So you educate, but you reveal things, and you want to hear what people think, especially when you have challenges or problems or strategic decisions to make. The best solution might come from somebody in shipping or the warehouse or in marketing or in management. Um, we're all smart, and, and sometimes having a fresh perspective is really useful. So I think the whole idea for me was that work should be fun, and because uh, I've always I always enjoyed when I had my own building business, I just loved doing it. I loved mm-hmm. building things, and I loved having a crew of people working together doing it. And we'd get in there and look at the job, and we're doing it together, and uh, you know, look at what could be done better and what we've done well. I just like that feeling. So mm-hmm. I think we're, that's what we're trying to do with Badger. And I think the big challenge was what happens when you get bigger. When you were at 12 people, people worried. When we get to 16 or 20, will we still have this feeling? Right. And I can say that we have you know, 45 people, and it feels great. That's great. It, it, it is a really special place. So you, you, start, you mentioned you started off with the, uh, the hand, you know, what's it called again? Badger Balm. It's Badger Balm. Well, it was originally called Badger Healing Balm. Badger Healing Balm. Okay, and we got, we got banned in the U.K., because you can't use the word healing. 
Mm-hmm. Only doctors can heal. You can't use the word healing in a bomb. So, so we had to eliminate that word, and we thought, well, let's. We're, we had that problem. They won't allow that in Germany or in Poland. So we thought, well, it could even come to that in the U.S. Everybody calls it Badger Bomb anyway. Right. Exactly. Let's yeah. just call it Badger Bomb Relief for Hardworking working Hands. Relief for Hardworking Hands. Yeah. And you've obviously expanded quite extensively now. You have massage oils. You have lip, as we have here, my lip shimmering. Lip tint and shimmer, which I adore, and um, it, 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 and a bunch of products, um, soaps, uh, balm, sleep balm, which is one of my favorites. I rub that on my temples at night. Um, I adore it. And uh, how, did, how did this? How did you just say, okay, well, we're going to expand. What is the next thing we're going to do? We're going to go into massage oils. We're going to go into soaps. How, how, do, how do you make these strategic decisions? Uh, well, it happened the way it probably happens in most businesses. I decided that I wasn't going to do that. So I thought, uh, well, there are single product businesses, Tabasco sauce or mm-hmm. um, I think it's Wilkins something electric shave. There, there are companies that have been built on having a single product. I thought it's so simple. It's so straightforward. Uh, there's a lot of people who have hardworking hands. I'll have one product. But we kept getting all these phone calls in the first year of business, and they would say things like, uh, I used this on my, my baby as a diaper cream, but it says for hardworking hands. Is that wow, really okay. okay? And you'd say, oh, yeah, you know, it's for hardworking babies, too. And people would say, well, do you have anything for feet? And I go, come on, you know, hands, feet, just use it on your just feet. On your feet yeah. Or, uh, you know, this this feels like a pretty good lip balm. Can I use it on my lips? Yeah, of course you can. And then I thought, you know, people actually want something that's purpose-driven. It's for a specific purpose, and they don't accept that something for hands can be used for all these purposes. So can I somehow serve the people who are buying my Badger Bomb? And one of the answers was, yeah, you could specifically tailor something for babies. You could use the same base, which would be really soothing, you know, the olive oil and beeswax. But if you added into it essential oil of chamomile or uh, calendula extract, that's those two things are known to be really good for babies, safe, good for baby skin, very calming. That's Baby Bomb. Or uh, people asked about using Badger Bomb for sore muscles. Well, you could because it has wintergreen in it and sweet birch, and those are like the uh, wintergreen in Bengay. It's good for sore muscles, but it says for hardworking hands. So I thought, well, I'll make a muscle rub, but I'll use cayenne, pepper, and ginger because they're warming, Mm -hmm. and cayenne has really special properties for sore muscles. So it, it, it was in response to customers asking for something and saying, how can I make something tailored for that for that need? Okay, what are what are some of your best selling products? Well, this the Badger Bomb is still the best selling in the bomb realm. Okay, the lip bombs are. We have a whole lip world. We call it. We have, I think, uh, if I can remember now, seven classic lip bombs. People are going to say, Bill, you don't know your products. I think we have six uh, cocoa butter lip balms that are bigger and really fabulous. We have the Lip Tint and Shimmers. Which are fabulous. Yeah, so we have all kinds of lip balms. But the best-selling items are our sunscreens. Wow, okay. And that was another one of those, well, you must have been really smart to come up with that idea. What actually happened was I noticed a woman in shipping, one of the people in shipping, using sunscreens in the wintertime. 
and she said that she had medical problems with her skin and she was told by her dermatologist she had to use a sunscreen every day and I read the ingredients in her sunscreen and I was kind of appalled and I thought I wonder if Badger can make a very safe simple healthful sunscreen so uh, I started researching that and I came up with zinc oxide if you remember the lifeguard sunscreens of the 60s you know the the, uh, endless summer you know this big white streak across the nose so uh, I worked with a uh, company that makes sunscreens to formulate one according to my formula and they said well you can't do that because it's going to be you know, super whitening. It'll have the consistency of toothpaste. And I said, okay, that's okay. Let's do it. Nobody will buy it, but maybe people who need a really safe sunscreen will use it. Moms will use it on their kids because they can see where they're applying it and the aesthetics aren't a big problem. Or if you're out in your backyard, nobody's going to see you. Aesthetics aren't a problem, but it'll be safe and effective. So we made this one sunscreen. And as I predicted, it didn't sell very much. That was an SPF 15. And I thought, I bet I could push the envelope up a little bit and make an SPF 30, which was, was even thicker and more whitening. And we made that, and that didn't sell either. And then in 1990, no, 2006, EWG, the Environmental Working Group, which is a nonprofit consumer advocacy group in Washington, D.C., they published something called Skin Deep, the Cosmetic Safety Database. Mm-hmm. And they say that stuff you put on your skin, because people assume that if you put it on your skin, it's not going to be absorbed and hurt you. Uh, companies are allowed to use whatever they want in a cosmetic. And so they end up using you know chemicals that are toxic toxic and they are absorbed. So they did a sunscreen study and they said we found that the majority of sunscreens on the market, they studied 731 sunscreens, all the national brands, all the brands they could find, uh, the majority of the sunscreens don't protect against both UVA and UVB radiation. They're not broad spectrum. Even if they say there are, Mm, they are. And the majority of sunscreens contain chemicals that are either known or suspected carcinogens or endocrine disruptors. And then they, this was picked up by Good Morning America among other media outlets. And the Good Morning America show said, if you want to find a good sunscreen, go to the EWG's website. And during the six minute segment, which is probably 60 million people watching it, they broadcast the website for EWG. That day, Badger was rated number one in safety and efficacy out of the 751 sunscreens. So we immediately sold out our year's supply. It took about a week and a half, and then we scrambled to produce more, and we scrambled the rest of that year. Then the question was, what's going to happen the next year? You had this one-time event. I assume that there'll be a little bump, but it's not going to... You know, it's not going to persist. But actually, it was like five times the sales the second wow. year. And then it kept going up to the point where we added more sunscreens. We improved the formula to make them a little bit more aesthetic and uh, acceptable. And there was a lot more press because people were afraid of the sun to begin with. Right. And now they were afraid of their sunscreens. So you're between a rock and a hard place, and they're looking for a safe sunscreen. Badger's got it. We're always rated in the in the top for safety and efficacy. So now we have the best-selling sunscreens in the natural product industry. And this was something that it was kind of a combination of dumb luck and being really, really good and making something that was safe and effective. Right. And, and tweaking it. 
Right? Yeah, and tweaking and constantly improving quality. We're always about constantly improving the quality and not settling for what you have, mm-hmm. seeing if there's a way of making it better. But I've given you two examples of sort of dumb luck business decisions. The first one was my original plan, one product, and now we have over 80 products. And with sunscreens, I think I'll make one sunscreen that will be safe and effective, but probably will never sell, which shows what a good predictor, predictor I am of public <laughs> acceptance of products. <laughs> well, something's working. Um, that's great. So let's talk about um, let's talk about uh, the fact that you have recently become a B corporation. That's something that um, I learned a little bit about when I was uh, in the audience um, at your at your facility. Can you tell our, our audience, uh, our listeners, a little bit about? the reasons why you decided to go this route. Do you have a little written description of what B Corp yes, is? Yes, I do. In fact, I I'm heard gonna, you did, so I want to hear that. Yeah, first. yeah, exactly. I was going to I was <laughs> going to say I'm going to get it up here um, because I, I did have it written down, but um, let me get it up on the website. You want me to talk first? Yeah, talk first while I get it up. Okay. So, daughter Rebecca is the director of product development at Badger. She studied ethnobotany at the University of Hawaii. Uh, where she did, she was a diligent student and a fire dancer. But ethnobotany is the study of how traditional cultures use plants for medicine. And then she finished at UMass Amherst studying uh, natural entrepreneurship business. Natural entrepreneurship. Yeah. Well, because her interest, I mean, she's in a family business, and her interest was supply chain. She said that often, quite often, ethnobotanists are hired by drug companies to find traditional medicines and then patent them for profit. And her idea was, how can we work with the supply chain so that the people who are growing and producing these traditional medicines can keep them and can keep the benefit or can reap the benefit of producing and selling these things? So, you know, the sustainability of that. So that's one of her focuses is when we go to use an ingredient, she'll look at the availability, availability of it, sources, try to find a personal story, get us as closely connected to the source of the ingredient as possible. And through that process, she got connected with the B Corp. Do you have your definition there? I have my definition. Read yeah. <laughs> B Corp certification is to sustainable business what fair trade certification is to coffee or USDA organic certification is to milk. B Corps are certified by the nonprofit B Lab to meet rigorous standards of social and environmental performance, accountability, and transparency. Today, there is a growing community of more than 600 certified B Corps from 15 countries and 60 industries working together toward one unifying goal to redefine success in business. So, you know, you can tell from reading about or listening to what I have to say that Badger has a different def- different definition of success and how to run a business. Yeah. You know, that uh, I say do the tombstone test. You know, what do you want on your tombstone? That he was a great businessman, you know, or a good right. person. So uh, that's what I think about. And I think for Badger, were they a great business? Were they good people uh, doing good things in the world? B Corp is about that idea that it actually, it it shouldn't be unusual, it should be the norm. The norm should be companies, corporations should be about the public good. Uh, A difference in Badger, for instance, is that 
We're a corporation, but we've always retained the earnings. So when we have profits, we put them back into the business. There hasn't, hasn't been a small group of stockholders that's benefited from the profits. It all, it's all gone back into the business, and what we've been able to do with that is some of the programs that you mentioned, Babies at Work or Free Lunch, uh, making sure that Badger workers have a living wage, um, different kinds of benefits that are people-friendly, and then we do a very strong program of charitable giving where actually 10% of pre-tax profits are donated to charities, and it's sort of a broad definition. We like things that help children, but we also mm -hmm. look at the environment or things that promote peace. Um, B Corp, because it has a uh, it has a list and a report card, so you can look at a company and you'd have to ask the question: Is that good marketing or is that a good business? Right. Because any company can do a fabulous job of marketing themselves as socially responsible and green, but do they really walk the talk? With B Corp, what happens is you can look up a B Corp. Um, company and look at their scorecard and see how they're doing. And so we thought, well, this is really great because, um, you know, we are doing good and we want people to not just trust us. We want them to be able to look at a third party verifier to say, oh, yeah, they're a B Corp and uh, and this is their report card. One of the things we found out was that a lot of things we do weren't documented. Hmm. And so to bring our score up, we actually have to document them. They're just things you were doing. Yeah. We weren't. You didn't feel the need. Yeah. To like the building, you know, the, right. the building wasn't lead certified, but it certainly met lead certification standards. Sure. Uh, one of the really, um, oh, I've lost my tr trend of thought on that. I was going to say, the, oh, I forgot it, you talk. Okay. No, no, I was going to say, you just mentioned the building, which I think we, you know, we can segue into the building itself, because when you have, you're, you're, you were basically saying when you can walk the, you're walking the walk without actually writing down everything that you were doing. And then you, because you went through the B certification, B Corp certification, you had to actually document a lot of the things you were doing anyway. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about the building? Okay. It's a Rem fabulous building. Remember that. Oh, the other thing I was going to say, though, the one I had forgotten I remembered, sure. which was B Corp says... A lot of times a company will have founders who have certain principles, but when you're gone, what's to say the company will continue in that vein? So they ask you to build into the DNA of the company the principles that you think are important that comply with B Corp standards and principles and so on. So we're trying to find ways now to say, well, what is it that we believe and how could you put that into the mission and principles of the company so that 50 years from now, you'll still recognize Badger as having that, that way of being. Right. Uh, so the, the building... Yeah, go into the building. I I think we should. It's so it's so great. I mean, I want to get into the a little bit into the ingredients too, and in, in the manufacturing side of it. But yeah, talk a little bit about the building. Okay. Well, I, I love building, and my forte when I was a builder was healthy building. Mm -hmm. The idea of using materials that wouldn't. Uh, add to a, a toxic burden on the environment and also for the air quality of the house. It's actually not all that difficult to do. Maybe a little bit more expensive, sometimes not, because you can often trade off simplicity uh, for cost. In other words, you can be simple but really, really beautiful. Uh, cost a reasonable amount and still have a healthful environment. So Badger, uh, my thought again was we're not just making 
organic, you know, we're, we're making products that most of the ingredients or most of the products use USDA certified organic ingredients. Those are food grade ingredients. It's not a body care certification. It's a food certification. So we actually have to make things out of food when we have that certification. What's good about it is you could eat it safely. You sure can put it on your skin safely. Mm. And then when we came up with the lunch, we thought, well, it's expensive to serve an organic lunch, but if we're asking our customers to buy products that are a little bit more expensive because they're organic ingredients, why would we not serve to our staff organic food? So we went in that direction. And then with the building, we thought, well, let's be consistent in everything that we do. Let's make a business that's um, environmentally sound, that has a healthful environment, that's built to support community, that's beautiful and aesthetic and a fun place to, to be. So that's what we did. And I designed the building with a lot of help and input and we used um, you know, non-toxic paint stains and finishes. The colors are pleasant and beautiful. One of my favorite stories is in my first design, when I, I, we built the building in 2010, but I thought we were going to build it in 2004. It took six years before we were actually in a position to build a new building. And... Um, the first design I did, I gave to an architect, and they put it on the computer. I, I, I draft by hand, and they put it on a computer, and they labeled the upstairs office open concept spaces cubicles. Mm. And when I showed it to the people at Badger, <laughs> they said, no, we're not going to be in cubicles because it sounds sort of you know cold and right. corporate. And So then uh, I brought it back to the architect, and he said, well, I'll put on it comfy Badger dens. <laughs> and so all those years, for six years, when anybody looked at the plans, the evolving plans for Badger, they saw the upstairs, and they saw comfy Badger dens. Awesome. Everybody was like, wow, I'm looking forward to that. Well, in August of... 2010, 2011, the building, the shell of the building was done, and now we had to do the office spaces, and I was sort of freaking out. I, you know, I've got to come up with comfy badger dens. So we decided to use homosote, which is a basically recycled paper that's compressed. It makes these boards, and it's a nice uh, re- sustainable material, non-toxic material, and local pine from Waddell and Daughters. Mm-hmm. And we made up one foot, two foot, four foot, foot, six foot, and eight foot panels, and we mocked up offices to get the right height for the the comfy badger dens, the right shape, and so on. And when different people came in, daughters and different badger workers came in and approved the mock-up, then we set up a little comfy badger den factory and cranked out all these spaces. And if you go up there now, you look at them, they're really pleasant, comfortable, light. There's light on, there's no space that doesn't have daylight, which was uh, one of the goals in the design. So that's one of the things about the business. And pretty much everything about it is just plain, pleasant, and Homie. Right. I love the Badger Dens. Yeah. I got to see them. They're very, very, it's like almost like being at home. And, you know, we manufacture stuff and we ship, and even those spaces are pretty pleasant. Yep, they are. So we have about five minutes left, and I wanted to talk about one of your primary ingredients is olive oil in a lot of your products and you have a, a really neat picture up on the, in the headquarters of, in the story really to tell behind um, where you purchase your, your organic olive oil which is 
pretty impressive. Um, you receive it in these big vats, which are really cool looking. Um, tell us a little bit about how that came about. Well, my first purchase of olive oil was two five-gallon buckets of pure olive oil from the Brattleboro Co-op. It turns out that pure olive oil isn't. I won't go into that too much, except it, it's a chemical extraction of the pulp after the extra virgin olive oil has been extracted. Wow. Okay, so... I'm not sure I knew that. That's yeah, me neither. I didn't know it when I started. I thought, well, pure olive oil, I can't get much better than that. Sure. But you can. So we switched to virgin olive oil, then extra virgin olive oil, then organic extra virgin olive oil, and we found a family own and operated grove in southern Spain, Solar Romero, and uh, we we actually visited them and we began purchasing from them. And they have a fabulous way of working with the olive groves. So it's sort of like maple syrup. You know how you need like 40 or 60 gallons of sap to make one gallon of maple syrup? One olive tree will make maybe a gallon of olive oil. We get 10,000 gallons a year. So there are 10,000 gallon, 10,000 trees in Solar Romero that are organically cultivated to supply us. And that's an area that has problems with groundwater pollution and worker health due to excessive use of pesticides. So we're really, really proud that we're using this organic extra virgin olive oil. And it's in almost every product that we have. It's, it, it, and the picture that you have in your facility shows, um, for those of you who ever get over to Gilsom, I highly recommend you go visit the, the Badger facility. It's, it's fabulous. But there's this picture and it shows an olive of an olive oil, the, the olive oil, Sol Romero's olive oil, olive grove, and then one that is cultivated conventionally. And it, it's unbelievable the difference in terms of the topography there. We have, uh, there's some Vimeo and YouTube videos uh, that Badger Bomb has, and there's one of Rebecca and Chris visiting the uh, Solar Marrow Groves that's pretty charming. Excellent. So we'll have to get on, get on Vimeo as well. I'll put all this, these links up on my website as well. So what are your, one last question, what are your plans for growing the company now? I mean, you've come up with these amazing products. Anything new coming down the pike? I mean, we're going into the holidays here. Our listeners may want to actually purchase some of your products. So. Mm. Well, we don't try to grow, but we can't help ourselves because now we're in this mode of creating new products and there really there's a limited range of products that we could make we recently came out with three fabulous hair oils with jojoba hmm. and baobab and argon and um sea buckthorn berry there's one for damaged and dry hair one for scalp and I should know the other one, but I don't. But I just, I just grab all three of them and you yes. know, slather them on my head. But awesome. they're really, really wonderful. And we have these neat little uh, pyramidal ornaments that have tins of badger bomb in that are nice gifts. Oh, you can go to fun. our website and check them out. They're, yeah. they're nice stuff. I was going to say, um, badgerbomb.com is the website, www.badgerbomb.com. So there's some fabulous product. I'm sure that we'll be hearing about new products that come down the pike that you don't even know because you seem to you, – you, when, when we had that tour, you were just like, well, I'm kind of tinkering with this and that and the other, and I'm sure we're going to... Is that kind of what happens? You kind of tinker and you... It's not me tinkering anymore. It's Rebecca. It's Rebecca, okay. The Director of Product Development. I tinker a little bit, but not much. Katie, Katie does some of the formulating, but I know they have a new generation of sunscreens that are far more aesthetic and easier to apply than our original thick and creamy ones. Okay. So uh, those will be coming out in okay. the spring, and they're pretty pleasant. Excellent. All right. Well, on that note, um, I think I'm going to get myself some sunscreen. You need it in the winter, too. You know, that's what people forget. All right. Well, thank you. This has been fabulous. And I, I know our listeners enjoyed it. So and I appreciate you being in the studio as well. It's fun. Thanks for the invite. 
The proceeding has been Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com.